generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. So let me start off today by asking a very important question. May not be so important to you, but let me ask you, are you interested in multiplication? Are you interested in abundance? Are you interested in having so much more that you have no choice but to give to other people to express? And I'm not just talking about money. Think about a life where you have so much more joy than you currently have, so much more peace than you currently have, so much more certainty, conviction, staying power, discipline, diligence, focus, fortitude that you currently have. If you are interested in that, then you're at the right place at the right time because today we're going to be exploring God's system for multiplication, God's system for increase, what God has put in place to ensure that your life is never stuck in a place of insufficiency where you are beggarly, where you are overly dependent, unhealthily dependent on other people, but a life that oozes forth the bounties and the blessings of God in untold dimensions. Let's go real quick to today's teaching. I'm excited about it. This teaching, if you get it right, not only will you never beg again, you will now become super abundant resource to be able to help other people. Now, don't forget, last week I started off by teaching and I said there were four major ways in which you generate resources in the earth. Four major ways. Remember that? Can somebody type in the comment box? Yeah, type, type those four things right now. Whilst I get to the scripture for the day, type the four things right now. So, if you were not here last week, look into the chat box. Somebody's typing the four things. Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26. I'm going to read select verses. I'll pick up from verse 1. And I'll read all the way to a couple of verses down. Just follow me as I read. And then we'll look at a couple more things. So I think we'll just take from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to uh, verse mm, 14. Alright. Genesis 26 from verse 1 through 14. Did you get four things? Just in case you didn't get it. Number one, you can beg. Number two, you can borrow. Number three, you can build. And number four... You can operate in the blessing. But God's model is that you operate in the blessing and by the blessing you build. So you no longer have to beg or borrow. But instead of begging and borrowing because you have built, you now release resources to those who are begging and borrowing. So that they can also become blessed to build. Makes sense, right? <laughs> Genesis 26 from verse 1, the word says, There was a famine in the land. Besides the first famine... That was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him, to Isaac, and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land. Now because of the famine, because of the desperation of the situation, because of the economic hardship, because of the complexity and the conundrum, because of the rampant insufficiency, the pervading poverty of the land, uh, Isaac was seeking greener pastures. He wanted something that could help him not only survive but also thrive. So he was planning to go down to Egypt and God said to Isaac, no, don't go down to Egypt. He said, dwell in this land. There is somebody here, you're trying to escape from that field, escape from that industry. Maybe some people escape from the nation. 
And for you, God is saying to you specifically, dwell in this land and I will be with you. Watch what it says. I will be with you and I will bless you. So you see the blessing. For to you and your descendants, I give all these lands. And I will perform the oath which I swore to you, to Abraham, your father, verse 4, and I will make your descendants multiply. Watch that now. Check out that word. Multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands. And in your seed, somebody say seed. Mm -hmm. Somebody say seed. Type it right now. Type seed. Let me just make mention of this. I know I'm jumping the gun, but let me throw it out there. God said, I will make your descendants multiply. And then it said, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge. So multiplication does not come by needs. Multiplication does not come by needs. Multiplication comes by seeds. So somebody said multiplication does not come by need, but it comes by the seed. It comes by this seed. It says, Abraham will be my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Verse 6, so Isaac dwelt in Gerar. And the men of the place asked about his wife. And it says, she's my sister. For he was afraid to say she's my wife because of thought, lest the men of the place kill me for Rebekah. Because she's beautiful to behold. Can I just pray for a, a gentleman trusting God for a wife? May the Lord bless you with a wife and not a knife. Come on. May the Lord bless you with a wife as beautiful as Rebecca, as beautiful as Becky. Oh yes, the way the Lord blessed me with my wife who's beautiful. May the Lord bless all the single men in this house with beautiful wives. And may the Lord open the eyes of those men to see that those beautiful wives are already in the house. Glory to God. Come on. May the Lord open your eyes to see that she's not just your sister. She's not just your mm -hmm, prayer partner. She's not just your teammate. Come on. Am I preaching right now? May the Lord open your eyes to see that the blessing you are praying for, that you're hoping will come from Canada, is already next to you. The blessing you're praying for that you thought was in Germany or South Africa or Guatemala or Honolulu is right here in Lagos, Nigeria, possibly on Facebook right now, YouTube right now. Come on, somebody say amen to that. It came to pass, verse 8. Now it came to pass when he had been there a long time that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through a window and saw, and there was Isaac showing and to Rebekah, his wife. Verse 9. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Quite obviously, she is your wife. So how could he say she was my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I said, Lest I die on account of her. Verse 10. And Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might soon have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt on us. Verse 11. So Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Verse 12 is really what I need right now. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year. Then Isaac sowed in the land where he stayed based on the word God gave him. In the same year he reaped a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. 
For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Somebody say, I begin to prosper. Say that, say I begin to prosper. I continue prospering and I become very prosperous. Somebody say, I begin to prosper. I continue prospering and I become very prosperous. Some of you are not saying it because maybe you have this contention, this conflict in your mind, this uncertainty in your thinking, this hindrance in your psychology. But say verbally, say vocally, affirm it consistently. I, Daniel Alwatengu, begin to prosper. I continue prospering until I become very prosperous. I have become very prosperous in the name of Jesus Christ our God. We just ask that you baptize us with the life and the light of revelation today. That every one of us will come into a new awareness of the provisions of grace demonstrated through the principle of seed time and harvest. Help us, O oh God, not to operate with the limitations of our cultural biases, not to operate with the limits and the filters of religious hindrances, but to enter into the brilliance of your light, the conviction of your word, the certainty of your spirit, the definition of dominion as you have designed for us from before the foundations of the earth. That indeed, everyone in here will begin to operate with the power of the seed. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. If you're looking for a title, you can call it, I'm a sower. Or you can call it, my past, I have the passport to prosperity. Somebody say, I have the passport to prosperity. And somebody shout, I'm a sower. I'm a sower. I have the passport to prosperity. I am a sower and I have the passport to prosperity. Today, what I want to do is to begin to empower you in the area of prosperity. When you think about prosperity, some people have this bias. Oh, they're coming with materialistic gospel. Oh, the gospel of materialism. Oh, they finally missed the mark. No, sir. No, ma'am. Prosperity is not the devil's idea. Prosperity is not man's idea. Prosperity is God's idea. Understand that. And the word says in 3 John 2, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Please understand that when he's speaking about prosperity there, he's not essentially speaking about you having all the money in the world. That's not what he's talking about there. He's not essentially speaking about you grabbing all the grabbables. That's not what he's talking about there. He's saying that I'm praying my desire, my wish, my greetings, actually a greeting, right? Uh, and he's saying that I wish you well. I want you to do well. I want it to flourish. I don't want your life to be hindered, to be limited, to be choked up, to be closed in. Uh, the words in Psalm 90 verse 12, it says that the righteous are as the palm tree. It says that the righteous will flourish like the cedars of Lebanon. So what he's saying essentially is, I want it to do well. God wants us to do well. God wants us to flourish. God wants us to prosper. And now that could have material ramifications. That could have material uh, indications or implications to it. And we see that in the Bible. And I mentioned that last week that God did not put man in a desert. God did not plant him in the desert and say, now prove yourself. Now endure. Now have long suffering. Even though long suffering is the fruit of the spirit, in terms of the material welfare and well-being of man, God ensured that he was not birthed into the midst of lack. God ensured that his first encounter with the earth 
was a fruitful, prosperous, lush garden. And man's assignment was not to create his own garden. Man's assignment was to extend the garden that God had created. I want to walk with me today. Man's assignment was not for him to ascertain or rather to attain unto prosperity. Man's assignment was to extend the prosperity that the Lord had bequeathed to him. That the Lord had given to him. That the Lord had planted him in. I want you to just say to yourself, never again will I be guilty for being prosperous. Never again will I be guilty. Never again. Never again when I walk around thinking it is wrong to do well, that it is wrong to prosper, that it is wrong to have more than enough resources. Because many of us grew up in environments that condition us to lack. And you know part of why we have that conditioning? Because the Bible says, give us this day our what? Daily bread. So in our minds, we think, oh yes, God just wants me to have just enough for the day. That God just wants me. What God is saying is, in as much as I want to bless with so much more, I never want to get to a point where you never depend on me. Where you now start depending on your abundance. That's the principle there. So when it says, give us this day our daily bread, he is not limiting what you can have to just survival, to just what your pockets can contain. He is saying that I want to still depend on me as if you understand that your daily bread is coming directly as a function of my benevolence. Somebody get this right now. How do I know that God doesn't have any Anything wrong with you having more than your daily bread? We see that in the Bible, in the book of John, chapter 6, where it is that Jesus does the miracle of multiplication of bread. You remember that? That when he multiplies the phylos of bread and two fish, he doesn't just give them enough for that day. He has excess. They have excess. They have abundance. We see this principle when it is that God has spoken to Moses to build the tabernacle and there was a call for giving to the tabernacle. The Bible says that they had so much more. That they had to at some point say, you know what, there is more than enough for the temple that we are building. Is somebody following this right now? Shouted, I will never be guilty of having too much. I will never feel guilty for having too much. I will never feel sad and sorry for walking in abundance. Don't forget that when Jesus was born, God caused even the people of the East, the men of the East, to bring gold, myrrh, and frankincense. Now think about it. What does a baby need gold for? What does a baby need myrrh for? What does a baby need frankincense for? Now, it wasn't just tiny little pieces of things abroad. They brought these things on, on, on caravans, on, on a, a ride of camels, because the men of the east would travel with their dromedaries, with their camels at the time. So God has nothing with you having, nothing wrong with you having an abundance. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it said to man, God bless man. The word says that God blessed man and it said to man, be fruitful. Then it said, multiply. Then it said, replenish the earth and have, it says, subdue the earth, replenish the earth, have dominion over it. Have dominion over the birds of the earth, over the fish of the sea, over everything that crawls upon the face of the earth. Somebody say, I have the passport to prosperity. Say it loud, I have the passport to prosperity. Shout it louder, I have the passport to prosperity. Say, I have it, I have it, I have it. Now, what is it? What's that passport and how do you begin to work with it? I'll get to it. But let's backtrack a little bit, Genesis 126, where God said to man, the Bible says that God blessed man and then said to him, be fruitful. Now, if all man needed to be prosperous to dominate the earth was a right to have dominion about the earth 
was just the blessing of God, then God wouldn't have said any other thing. Would have just said, you are blessed, you are blessed, you are blessed, which is what a lot of people do these days, right? Now, let's think about it this way. I want to get to a destination. You have a car, I'm giving you a car, and I need to get to a certain destination. If all you need to get to the destination is just to sit in the car, then I don't need to tell you anything else. I don't need to tell you, turn on the ignition. I don't need to tell you, ensure there's sufficient fuel in the fuel tank. I don't need to tell you, type in the destination into the GPS. I don't need to tell you, turn, look left, look right before you look left again and then turn, make a left turn, right? I don't need to tell you anything else. So when God said to man, you're blessed. When God's blessed man and then now give him a set of instructions, the set of instructions are indicative of what man must do to ensure that the blessing he had received, which was a spiritual thing, was going to have material manifestation. So there are many people today who are already blessed, but they are not prosperous. Because the blessing is intangible, but prosperity is tangible. Prosperity is popular. Prosperity is made manifest. Even if it's about spiritual things, you're prospering in joy, people can see it. You're prospering in peace, your ambience tells the story. Prospering financially, people can see. So the blessing of God upon your life is God's investment. Your prosperity is your responsibility. How do I know? In Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, it says, This book of the law, it shall not depart out of your mouth. But you shall meditate therein day and night and observe to do all that is written in it. It says, that's how you are going to make your way prosperous. Come on, somebody. So God blesses you. You make your way prosperous. It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. And that's no sorrow with it. But God is the one who blesses you and you make your way prosperous. Now, how does that happen? The first thing that God said to man is that be fruitful. How can you be fruitful? For you to be fruitful, you must start with a seed. Fruits are produced by seeds. Fruits are produced by seeds. And there are so many believers today who are full of seeds but empty of fruits. You know that. That is possible to be full of seeds. Full of the seed of the word. Full of the seed of revelation. Full of the seed of your potential, your gifts, your abilities. But then your life does not tell the story of increase. Your life does not tell, tell the story of abundance. Somebody say never again. Never again. Never again. Never again. He does not say the seed full. It says the fruit full. So what it means is for us to really walk in the fullness of what God has for us, we must pay closer attention to the seed. Unfortunately, many of us have been trained by life, by circumstances, by religious organizations, by culture to think about our needs and not enough training has gone into helping us think about our seeds. To think about what the primary seed is, what the secondary seeds are, what the tertiary seeds are, stay with me, it's going to make sense as we go along. So don't just think about your need, think about your seeds. Don't just think about what's happening on the outside, think about the deposits on the inside. God has blessed man and said to man, be fruitful. Please understand this now. God didn't just say to man, make the garden fruitful. God already made the garden fruitful. But if the fruitfulness of your garden, watch this, if the fruitfulness of your garden outclasses the fruitfulness of your person, your garden will become a jungle. If the fruitfulness of your garden, your environment, your space, the things that God has given to you, right, outgrows the fruitfulness of who you are, 
the evolution of you, who you are, the transformations going on in your life, what's going to happen is that you will get lost in the maze. You'll get lost in the garden. The garden is going to outgrow you. Your potential, your ability is going to become a jungle. As a matter of fact, way back in Africa, one of the major reasons people used to marry multiple wives and have plenty of children was because of this. The number of children that you raise, number of seeds or offspring that you raise, then determine your strength in agriculture and your strength in battle. Similarly, in the spiritual realm, the degree to which you are able to amplify, magnify, multiply the seeds that you're given will determine how much ground you can take for the kingdom, how much you can cultivate for the kingdom, and how well you can support others who are around. Is, is somebody getting this right now? So we must study the seed. And when we look through the Bible, we see that God keeps using the seed, seed, seeds, seed, a sower, sow, sow, seeds, right? It's so deep that God does not even just compare things to the seed. We find, the first thing I want to observe is this, that we find God comparing his son to the seed. He says that the seed of the woman is going to deal with this. In the book of Genesis, we find that. He speaks about the seed of the woman. Not only does he compare his son to the seed, he compares his son, Jesus compares himself, not just to the seed, but also to the tree. It says, I am the vine, Genesis 15, I am the vine and ye are the branches. <laughs> it says that if the branch brings forth fruits, it's going to be pruned to bring forth more. If any branch does not bring forth fruit, what's going to happen? The father is going to cut it off. Not only is Jesus Christ compared to the tree and we compared to the branches, God describes himself not only as the, the tree or his son as the tree, come, uh, rather describes himself as the gardener, as the vine dresser. We find that as well in John chapter 15. Not only do we see the seed being God or being compared to Christ, the garden or the gardener being compared to God himself, we being compared to the branches, we also find that Christ compares himself to the sower. And we find that in the book of Matthew chapter 13, it says, a sower went to sow seed in verse 3. So we find God compares himself to the seed, to the tree, to being the sower. Then he compares us believers to a field. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 9, it says that we are God's co-workers. It says that you, believers, church, you are God's field. Then it says that you are God's building, you are God's project. So we find a comparison to seed, to trees, to gardener, to the field. In John, so right, Genesis chapter 2 verse 8, Genesis chapter 2 verse 8, the Bible says that God planted a garden in the east. So the first time we find something being planted, it was God who did it. Somebody say God deals with seed. God deals with trees. God plants gardens. Not only are we compared to a field, the Bible also compares us to trees. So in Psalm chapter 1, it says that the man does not sit in the seat of the scoff, does not stand in the way of sinners, that that man shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. So we're compared to trees. Jeremiah chapter 17, it says that the person that trusts the Lord, he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water. He's not going to see drought when it comes. Come on somebody. Not only that, Psalm 90 verse 12, he says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like the scissors of Lebanon. A Psalm chapter 58, it says, But I am like a green olive tree, verse 12, flourishing in the cuts of my God. 
Ephesians 1, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 3. It says that we shall be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Why am I taking time to establish all of those things? You're finding seeds, you're finding the field, you're finding uh, the gardener, you're finding trees, and then trees, and then trees. What is the significance? Anybody that must fulfill what God has called them to do must understand the power of the seed. You must start thinking not just culturally, you must start thinking agriculturally. Let me say that again. You can't just think culturally. In the culture, there is lack. In the culture, there is poverty. In the culture, the antidote to poverty for many people is corruption. So they think that the way I can escape from lack or insecurity is to steal, is to rob, is to be greedy, is to be corrupt. But God shows us that the way to thrive and to flourish and to grow is not to compromise, but to operate with the power of the seed. Somebody say, I have the passport to prosperity. The passport to prosperity is the power and the principle of the seed. So we have all of these things, but the seed will never become the fruit, except it is sowed. So a sower must come into the equation. Now understand that the seed is an expression of God's wisdom. Anytime you are seeing seed, see an expression of God's wisdom. So let's use even something biological as an example, right? Biology. They'll say that person is the offspring of so-so-and-so. Or that person is the seed of so-so-and-so. In other words, he came out of him. Now what happens is, before a child is born, the father, the man, plants his seed, biological seed. You know what I'm talking about, right? He plants it in the soil of the mother's womb and that seed now begins to grow it takes on a different form a different shape a different size a different reach over time it begins to grow and that child becomes a baby that outgrows the capacity or the space of the womb of the woman the woman literally has to release that baby into the world otherwise the baby might die or she herself might die and then that baby begins to grow and begins to grow and eventually grows so big and so huge and so tall like you or your brother or your sister. Now imagine if God had created it such that the child that you're going to have, the child you will deliver, the child you will give birth to will be exactly the same size from the start. How would that work? <laughs> That would be weird, right? That would be strange. If this was the way you were in your father's body or in your mother's body, the same size you are right now, that is going to be disastrous. That would be chaotic. That would be crazy. That would be impractical. So what God does is that when he wants to do something big, he compresses the most important, the most important elements of that thing, that huge thing, that big thing. He puts it in a seed form, my God. I hope somebody will get this. I hope somebody's getting this. When God wants to do something mighty, huge, gargantuan in your life, impressive, outrageous, extraordinary, supernatural, he does not dump the full weight of that thing on you. He encodes it in a seed. Somebody shout, I have the seed for it. He encodes it in a seed. Now, why? Because a seed is more manageable. A seed is... <laughs> lighter to carry a seed is simpler to handle so god gives you the light form l-i-g-h-t yes light form but he also gives you the light form l-i-t-e the small bites and this is why many people get discouraged 
Because when you're asking God for prosperity, he does not send you a lot of money. He sends you a seed. Somebody shout, you must know the power of the seed. I, I don't want to just say, shout it. I know the power of the seed. That's how God started in the beginning. So in Genesis chapter 1, 11 to 13. Genesis 1, 11 to 13. It says, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass. The herb that yields what? Seed. And the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind. Whose seed is in itself? Whose seed is where? The seed for your greatness is not in anybody else. The seed for your greatness is not in your tweet if you have one. So Esther and Eunice, Oge and Olga mention all the tweets in the house, right? Your seed is not in your tweet. Your seed is not in your pastor. Your seed is not in your mentor. Your seed is not in your father. Your seed of greatness, the seed of possibilities are planted on the inside of you. And every other person only comes to bear witness to that seed or to invest wisdom in that seed or to pour water on that seed or to help you recognize that seed or to help you plant that seed or to challenge you to sow that seed or to help you groom the weeds around the seed. If you're excited where you are right now, shout the seed is on the inside of me. The seed is not on the outside, the seed is on the inside. The seed is not in the bank, the seed is on the inside. The seed is not in the courtroom, the seed is on the inside. The seed is not in the accountant's record, my seed is on the inside of me. It said that the seed is on the inside of this, uh, of this herb. And it says, it was so, and the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, Whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Let me ask you a question. As great as God is, as fantastic as God is, couldn't he have just stood in the backside of eternity, on the precipice of time, and then spat out all the trees he wanted, all the fruits he wanted, all the plants he wanted, all the weeds he wanted, all the see, he could have done that, but God is so wise and he knows, watch this, that if everything that I created, if I create everything by myself and I spread everything by myself and man himself does not become fruitful, the fruitfulness of the environment will overshadow that man's ability. That's why before God begins to bless you with material things, he first of all blesses you with seed. Because your faithfulness with the seed will determine your fruitfulness in the harvest. Somebody shout, I have the power of the seed. Your faithfulness with the seed will determine your fruitfulness with the harvest. Understand that. This is so important. God does not give you the big thing you're looking for. He encapsulates that huge thing, that monstrous idea, that great idea, that overwhelming matter in a seed Form in a seed form, it starts with a seed. It starts, somebody say, it starts with the seed. It starts with the seed. How do we see this play out in the Word of God? Let's go real quick, if you will, to the book of John. Excuse me, please. my voice is still recovering from all the watches and all the prayers. Right, John chapter 12. The Bible says in verse 24, Most assuredly, I say to you, 
unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. I'm not sure I'm going to have enough time today to speak about this, but I, might, I will continue if I don't deal with it today. Next week when I talk about the process of the seed or the prospect, the process of prospering, right? So it says, except the grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Then look at the next verse. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Jesus is speaking about his own death. He's speaking about his own death, right? And he's comparing himself again to a seed, saying, except the grain of wheat that I am falls to the ground and dies, I will just be one Jesus. That's all I will be. I'll be one Jesus, 12 disciples, 70 people, apostles, 70 people who are coming around me, 120, the crowd, 5,000, multitudes, but I'll be one Jesus. But if I die, if I die, I will produce so much more. I want you to understand the intelligence of God. That when God was unfold, unfolding the redemptive plan to man, He does not send 100 Jesuses. He does not send a, a tribe of Jesus. Imagine, He could have just said, you know, instead of having just 12 tribes of Israel, Zebulun, Naphtali, Asha, Gad, and all of that, let's have a tribe of Jesus. He does not do that. He starts with a seed. And many people have wound themselves into confusion. They've wound themselves into envy, wound themselves into lust, wound themselves into corruption because they don't understand that they have the passport to prosperity and that passport starts with what? A seed. So what is the primary seed? What is the primary seed? We're going to begin to understand this. The first thing I want us to understand is the primary seed is not any material element. The primary seed is not any material element. The primary seed is the word of God. Luke chapter 8 verse 11. It says, the seed is the word of God. He's talking about the parable of the sower went to sow his seed. And in the context, watch this, of that parable, he is saying that the primary seed is the word of God. We understand that. That by the word, all things were free. The word makes it very clear to us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. That we understand that the walls were framed by the word of God. So the seed that produced every other seed, including the seed of man that becomes human beings, and the seed of the field that become plants and trees, the seed that, produced, that produces every other seed is the seed of God's word. Which means that it does not matter what strategy you have as a believer, what thoughts, what idea, what agenda. If it's not traceable to the word of God, you are at best on an expedition, an experiment, or an expression of your own self. But it has to start from the word of God. That's why in John 1, 8, Joshua 1, 8 that I quoted earlier, he says that this book of the law, the embodiment of God's bag of seeds, the word of God itself, is what you must meditate on first. It is the blueprint for your inheritance. It is the blueprint for the model that God has for you, the plans that God has for you, the agenda that God has for you, the word and the word that God has for you. He has encoded it where? In the seed of the word. Somebody shout, my primary seed is the word. As long as I have a word, I have a future. Because the seed is a prophecy of the future. The seed is the guarantee of the future. The seed contains the life of tomorrow. When I have a seed, it speaks of hope. 
hope when I have a seed it speaks that this is not the end of my life there is more to me than this planting season I don't know who I'm preaching to prophetically but it feels like you have nothing on you nothing around you and nothing with you and you heard the message last week and you're saying I'm not going to beg anymore hear the word of the Lord by the word where all things made and nothing was made that was made without the word your mind was made by the word the, the things that you see around you was made by the word and as you believe on this word and meditate on the word divine ideas inspiration innovation creativity open doors access points uncommon instructions will begin to flow in your direction somebody shout I hear I hear somebody holler I believe that you've got the seed of the word of God and by that seed great things are going to happen in your life somebody shout I have the seed I have the passport to prosperity I have the passport to prosperity in our text Genesis 26 the word says that God spoke to Isaac that was the first seed the first seed was God speaking you have not planted the right seed if you have not started with the first seed it is the first seed the primary seed that governs the entirety of your life that is the reason even when God was going to bring you into salvation he does not bring in salvation just by you know inspirational speaking motivational speaking excitement those are secondary seeds those are those can be secondary seeds right he does not just come with a picture of the promises of you driving Bentley and all of that that could fall under a secondary seed but he comes with the incorruptible seed of the Word of God that's what the Word of God says in the book of first Peter Chapter 1 and verse 23, it says that we're not born of anything corruptible. It says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God. Through the word of God, which lives and abides how? Forever. Because all flesh is grass. So it compares even the physical body to something that comes out of the seed. Grass comes out of a grass seed. So it's saying that even this flesh comes out of the seed of your father that falls into the soil of your mother's womb produces the flesh but you are not flesh that which is born of flesh is flesh that which is born of which is born of spirit is spirit so the seed of the spirit is the word of god it says that you are born of that word and that word lives in the vice wherever it says all flesh is grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass the grass withers and its flower falls away but the word of the Lord endures forever. This is the reason when you have no money in your bank account, you still have a seed. When you have no friends coming your way, you still have a seed. When you have no customers knocking on your door, you still have a seed. When there's no Godfather, no Godmother, there is no Godson, no Goddaughter, you still have a seed. I feel like preaching right now. If you can clap your hands where you are and say, I still have a seed. I still have a seed. I was born again by that seed and that seed abides in me. That seed remains in me. The genetic encoding of divine graces, divine abilities, divine ingenuity, divine wherewithal is on the inside of me. I have the passport to prosperity. High five yourself right now and say I have the passport to prosperity. I have the power of the seed. I have the power of the seed. I have the power of the seed. That's the primary seed. That's the primary seed. But when you go to Genesis 26, and you know, the people who have preached and said, oh, you know, the seed is the word of God. And that's all the seed is. <laughs> that's partial knowledge. 
The seed, the word of God rather, is the primary seed, but it's not the only seed. And I'll show you now. Genesis 26. So the word of God's primary seed produces spiritual substance because every seed produces after its kind. So the word of God produces spiritual substance. It can also create material things as a seed in creation. But it is essentially the seed for the spiritual realm. Come on, somebody. And everything that was created, all the material things that we see today, trees, birds, animals, God pulled them out of the spiritual realm and gave them bodily form, embodiment in the earth realm. Now, why I need to be excited about the power of the seed is that when you got born again, don't forget, the day after you got born again, some of you still told lies. Some of you still maybe even slept with somebody. Some of you possibly still stole. But it didn't mean that you were not born again. It meant that now when you did that, something on the inside of you arrested you and told you that is not you. Something on the inside of you had created a different conversation. Something on the inside of you had begun a different train of thoughts because a different seed, a different nature was on the inside of you. Come on somebody. So the fact that you have the seed for something does not mean everything on the outside will comply immediately. No, because there's the process for the seed to move from the spiritual realm to material manifestation. There was the press from you saying the Lord's Prayer receiving the, the salvation, uh, gift of salvation by saying the prayer of commitment and you walking in increasing manifestations of holiness. Are you seeing this now? So Genesis 26, it was found in the land. Verse 1, we see that. Verse 2, the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. So God gave him a word. And God said, I'm going to multiply your descendants. Verse 4, this is I will give you uh, in your seed all nations of the earth shall be blessed and all of that. Verse 6, we see all that drama that happened. And, you know, they were trying to toast his wife, take his baby, right? But God made a way that he didn't touch her. Verse 12, the word says, then... Isaac sowed in that land. Now, <laughs> if all the seed you need for, for prosperity, for increase of multiplication, is the word of God, why did Isaac sow in the land? God was the one that promised him the land. God was the one that told him, stay in the land. God was the one that promised him that land, that space, that territory, that industry, that sector. God was the one that gave it to him. But Isaac had enough intelligence to know that you can get the land, watch this, by the blessing of the Lord, but to prosper in the land, you must sow the seeds amongst men. Somebody needs to get that. The way the earth operates, the way the earth was designed to yield increase is by engaging it with seed. The earth does not yield increase that is meaningful and sustainable by itself without a man, a being, engaging it with seed. So you can get a land by the promise of God, but for you to prosper in that land, you need the seeds of men. That's why the Bible says, believe the Lord your God so that you will be established. But what do you do? Believe in his prop prophets so you will prosper. So establishment comes from the Lord. Es oh yeah, 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 I'm getting to the heart of it right now. I know I had a long build up, but I was trying to move your mind into this frame. And I hope you're with me right now. If you're with me, let me know you're with me. Type an emoji, type a heart, type flaming fire, put hands on your head, whatever it is, it's gonna get deeper. So 
Why does Bible say believe in the prophets? Because prophets are men and they speak words in the earth realm. They can shoot things in the earth realm because they are under the influence of the Spirit of God. So it's not any kind of inherent ability they have. It is the distribution channel. The apostolic gifts and graces, the gifts of Christ, apostle, evangelists, pastors, teachers, right? They are not inherently powerful, but they are ordained and established distribution channels for the unction and the revelation of God. So there are people who are blessed by God. God has promised you the land. God has promised the territory. But for you to prosper in that land, you need partnership with men. And you need to engage that land with seed. Come on somebody. If I give you land but you have no seed, you will end up with weeds. If I give you land but you have no seed, you will end up with beasts of the field. If I give you land but you have no seed, that's like having you know all those construction sites where they actually build the fence around it and they put Beware of dogs, or rather beware, land not for sale. But then nothing is happening there. What's happening? Weeds are growing. And can I propose to you that some of us, we have the land, but weeds are growing. We have the land, but we have not learned to sow the seed. We have been confessing on the word of God as the primary seed. But there is a secondary seed of financial investment, of energy distribution, of engaging your gifts, of sowing your time, of serving constructively. So you've got to engage the seed. You've got to engage the land with the sea. God never created the land or the earth to produce or multiply without engagement with the sea. Let me give you a couple of examples. Genesis 8 verse 22. Genesis 8 22. It says, as long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest will not cease. What it was saying is one of the principles for prosperity in the earth, in the earth, is by sowing and reaping. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we, we might not be able to apply that to the heavens, right? Where there's perfection and beauty. It says the earth, the protocol of engaging prosperity on earth is sowing and reaping. So sowing the word of God gives you spiritual energy and stamina and focus and precision and direction. But then it is sowing into the earth system, engaging the cycles and the systems of the earth. That commands, that causes the earth to yield its increase unto you. Is somebody getting this right now? So the miracles of Jesus, miracles of Jesus. He had supernatural power, tremendous power. But miracles of bread and fish, right? Multiply fathers of bread and two fish. What did he do? When he lifted up, he said, go and see what you have. It will take something from the earth to yield something earthly. And it takes something from heaven to yield something heavenly. So when I surrender something from the earth to heavenly influences, what happens is I will yield supernatural results in an earthly form. Is somebody getting this right now? Oh, yabakasaya. So what does Jesus do? Jesus brings what the person had. What did the person have? The person had, the little boy had, fathers of bread and two fish. And they gave them to Jesus. He lifted up the bread and gave thanks. He engaged the supernatural on the natural, and then the natural multiplied. Now, let me ask you a question. If mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, all you have is ground, can you multiply anything desirable? Possibly not. Actually not. Factually not. If all you have is the seed, can you engage, can you multiply the seed by themselves? No. Similarly, if all you have is the supernatural grace, multiplication to do everything, 
Will you multiply anything in the material realm? No. If all you have in the material realm is the material realm and there's nothing supernatural, what can you multiply? Only something that the material realm can multiply. I'm moving fast now. I know so come with me. So but when I take the natural that is with me and I engage the supernatural that God guarantees and I fuse them together in the action predicated on faith, there is going to be the supernatural in the natural and the natural multiplied by the supernatural. Get this, get this. So back to the text we used last week where that man, remember that man? The guy was begging, the guy was blind from his mother's womb. Jesus comes up to him, he's beggarly, he wants to receive a sight, God wants to do a miracle in his life. And what does Jesus do? Jesus takes the ground, the dust from that ground, that's natural. And he puts a saliva on there, that's supernatural, because Jesus is supernatural. And he mixes that and places on his face. How do I know that there was something supernatural in the saliva? I'll tell you why, how I know. Because if you or somebody else today were to spit in mud and go to meet a blind person without the supernatural coming up on top of that, that blind person is likely to give you a hot slap. Right? <laughs> very, very likely. So there was something supernatural in the spittle. So the mixture of supernatural power through the spittle and natural elements of dust brought about the explosion. Somebody say mix it. Mix it, mix it, mix it to fix it, mix it, mix it, mix it to fix it, mix it to fix it, mix it. What are you mixing? Mixing the word of God with faith. What are you mixing? The spiritual promise with material action. What are you mixing? The word of God and then the seed that God has given to you. So even though God had promised Isaac prosperity in the land, God had blessed Isaac for the land, Isaac still needed to sow a seed that was different from the word of God. This is the reason many believers are stuck. Many believers are either sowing natural seeds without the blessing or sowing spiritual seed without any seed in the earth. And when you don't have both of them together, you cannot guarantee anything more than daily sustenance. Kaya Bushaya. Oh, Mazoyeba. How do I know that sowing material elements can be a secondary seed? It's in the Bible. The Bible literally uses the word seed for money. Literally. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 11. You know, because the people who say things like, oh, how can you be talking about fruit? How can you be talking about seed? In the word of God is the seed. That's partial knowledge. 2 Corinthians 9, this is Paul the Apostle speaking from 6 to 11. He says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly. What's he talking about? He's talking about giving in church. That's what he's talking about. Now, my message is not just about giving in church, even that's a part of it. And I'm going to get to the different aspects, right? But this message is, first of all, understanding this passport to prosperity that God gave man to work, to work in. And believers ought to work in it. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. In other words, you determine your harvest. That's what it's saying here. You determine your harvest. You are the person who determines what your harvest is. How do I know? If you sow sparingly, you raise sparingly. The multiplication is a constant coefficient. What do I mean? It's like saying 4 times x, right? I'm multiplying 4 by x. x is constant, or what do you say, constant k? 4 by k, right? That means that if I want to increase, let's say k in that instance is 100, right? So 4 times 100 is what? 400. k is constant. 
if I want to increase that 400 to 1,000, the Americans call it 1,000, right, sometimes, or 1,000, what do I need to change? Is it the key that needs to change? No! What is the change? What I am putting beside the K. So God's grace will not change. God's mercy will not change. God's faithfulness will not change. God's blessings will not change. God's promises will not change. But my seeds must change. My commitment must change. My loyalty must change. My devotion must change. My faithfulness must change. My sense of responsibility must change. My sense of diligence must change. My sense of sacrifice must change. Somebody put in the coin box, I must change. Let's not doubt it. Whatever you're getting sustainably, consistently, is a reflection of your understanding and application of the power of the seed. Why? Because the way the earth operates is through the power of the seed. And this thing is not God... You know, being biased. Oh, you know, maybe God is sort of biased. God, God likes some people, doesn't like some people. Oh, you know, you know, God is no. He said, as long as the earth remains, as long as the earth remains, if you engage this, it will work. Oh, but I've been praying. That spiritual, see that spiritual blessing. And for your prayers, guess what you have reaped? Long suffering. <laughs> you have reaped patience to wait, right? Because the prayer equation will deliver the spiritual elements of revelation, faithfulness, patience. It can also, I'm not despising, it can also deliver time-based or season-based supply. Okay? But it does not deliver, it is not the mechanism, I should say. It is not the mechanism for progressive, proliferated prosperity in the earth. Right. So it says... He was just bound bondfully. So let each one give as he purposes where? In his heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you, always, even you, you without a job right now, you without a car right now, you without a wife or husband right now, you without pedigree or degree right now, or even pedicure or manicure, you without all of that. He says that God is able to make you, you, always having all sufficiency in how many things? In all things, may have an abundance. Somebody shout abundance. Hey, somebody shout abundance. Don't believe the lie of the devil. You know, Paul said, I've learned to abase and how to abound. But he never said it was God that abased me. Paul never said that. Circumstances may lead to us abasing. It can even shrink and contract and we have to cut a couple of things down. But Paul never pins that on God. Paul never says, oh, you know what? God stripped me of all my money. No, you can decide to give all your money away. And if you do, that's no one. There's a reward for it, right? But it is not God that designs, orchestrates poverty or lack. He said that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That's a spiritual element. But now brings to the material element. So that you always having all sufficiency in all things. In all things. May have an abundance for every good work as it is written. He has dispersed, dispersed abroad. So he's connecting the principle of prosperity and abundance to the principle of distribution. Seeds shrink in isolation, but they multiply in distribution. That's why in Matthew 13, he says, A sower went to sow seeds. Another translation says, A sower scattered seed. And you know that it's scattered. How do you know it's scattered? 
because it says some fell amongst good ground, some fell by the wayside, some fell in shallow ground. If he was just sowing it, he would have just looked for the good ground and stayed with the good ground. He was not just sowing it, he was capturing it. Marco Yabata. He was he had the habit of sowing. Somebody shout I'm a sower. He had the habit of sowing. This is not about recklessness. No, that's not what it's about. It's about generosity of spirit. It's about understanding this. That seeds never multiply in isolation. Because the isolated environment does not have the corresponding resources to enrich the seed to reach its full potential. The earth has to engage the seed. The seed has to engage the earth so that the resources that God has put in the earth will begin to flow forth. You have to engage that industry, that business, that field so that the opportunities of that field and that industry will begin to gravitate and augment and support and enhance and embellish and promote and project what you have on the inside of you. Somebody give God praise right now. I had a seed on the inside of me. What's the seed on the inside of me? Communication, creativity, oratory, the ability to articulate, persuade, speak. The first major engagement I had on television, on television, was not by me using my speaking language in praying. Free airtime. It was not by me prophesying. It was that I was looking around. I, was like, I used to read newspapers. I still read newspapers and magazines a lot, right? So I was reading newspaper and I actually saw this newspaper advertising this oratory show called The Debaters. Right. So, some of you might know The Debaters, similar to what Governor B went for uh, last year uh, about entrepreneurship, but this was about oratory, okay? And I planted my seed in that, in that space, in that ground. And from that one encounter, one engagement, other things began to flow. An organization one time called me to do a retreat for their staff. Just fun stuff. I was paid a thousand dollars. Now I'm talking 2010 or 20, 2010, 2011, as far back as that. Now think about some of you get oh a thousand dollars. You can't even think about that right now because your mind is still being stretched and being expanded. You still don't believe that that painting, that artwork, that invention, that thought, that app, that website, that web page, that ebook can generate thousands of dollars. Now I'm not, I'm not despising the place of giving. I'm saying that the giving that you have given, that you have engaged to God, once you release that, is even a spiritual seed. Come on. But there are other seeds, the second receipts in your life, your gifts, your time, your attention, and all of that. And that seed has grown from thousand dollars, thousands of dollars, millionaire, millions of naira, and so forth. Somebody shout, I'm going to engage my seed. I didn't hear you shout, somebody shout, I'm engaging my seed. I'm engaging this passport to prosperity. I'm engaging the seed. The sower went to sow a seed. The word is scatter. Proverbs chapter 11, 24 to 26. Proverbs 11, 24 to 26. The NKJV that I love says, there is one who scatters. Yet increases more. That's what it says. And there is one who withholds more than is necessary. More than is right. More than is justifiable. It says, but that person that withholds, it leads to poverty. So you never save your way into prosperity. You will save your way into at best sustenance, but not into prosperity. And if you move beyond saving or you don't even save at all, you're holding back, just withholding. Every time you withhold your seed, you withdraw your, your harvest. Every time you withhold your seed, you withdraw your harvest. 
He says that there is something that is scattering. This guy is scattering. He's investing. He's sowing to the kingdom. He's given to his prophet. He's given to orphanages. He's given to business. He's given more to his customers than they are paying for. I just concluded a free conference yesterday, five days, giving people so much more value for free, giving them so much more value for free. And people are like, oh my God, each day was worth 20,000 naira. Each day was worth 5,000 naira. In fact, at the end of the first session, the first day, at the end of the first day, somebody asked for my account number and said, I cannot do this for free. And the person sent some tens of thousands of naira. Now listen to that. Am I a fool for scattering? No! I understand the divine principle. I'm not even doing this so that people can give to me. But I know that when I do it, I cannot escape the harvest. The man who sows the right seed cannot escape the right harvest. You can't escape it. It will look for you. That's God's plan. He says, I want these blessings to pursue you, to overtake you. That's what God wants. He doesn't want to run after blessings. He wants to sow and sow and sow in business. Sow to your customers. Sow to your pastor. Sow to your parents. Sow to orphanages. Sow to the destitute. Till you have cycles of harvest coming into your life at different times. Multiples, multiple layers of harvest. Oh, somebody say, I'm a sower. It says, it leads to poverty, the generous soul will be made rich. The generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also himself be watered. It says, the people will curse him who withholds grain. But blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. Now let me just explain something. When you give and when you sow, right? Let me, let me just put it like this. When you give to God... When you sow into the kingdom, you give an offering, you give tithes, you give your 10%, 20%, whatever percentage you give. If you do first fruit, whatever choice. By the way, the principle for giving the New Testament is that you give generously, you give sacrificially, you give consistently. Okay? So you don't give one seed in a month. You don't give, <laughs> you know. There's some people here, since the lockdown started, you have not given an offering. The question has to be Why? And the question is not why because I want your money or kings needs your money. The question is why are you withholding what the Lord wants to do for you? That's the question. Why? And someone says, oh no, because I don't have any money. Can I ask you a question? Have you had a haircut this lockdown? Have you bought airtime this lockdown? Have you bought food this lockdown? Have you, or oh, this spirit, lockdown is over, right? <laughs> the spirit, have you bought an app this time? Have you invested in an online course this time? If you've spent many money on any other thing, then you have no excuse not to give. You have no excuse. It's not tenable, right? So you give generously. So whether that generous, generosity for you is first fruit or prophet's offering or parents honoring your parents, and there are different kinds of games, we might get to that. God expects you to do that to give. It says the generous soul is going to make fat and he waters will also himself be watered. The people will curse the one who withholds grace. So when you give to God, I was asking earlier, what does God give to you? So you give offerings and tithe. What do we do? God releases words of blessing. That's what God does. He endorses that and endorses you. So the pastor prays about the offering or the delegated person, officer in the service Praise about the offering and releases the blessing of the Lord. That's what you get. Now, when you give to men, what do you think happens? What do you think happens? They bless you as well with their words. <laughs> That's why Proverbs says that the person who withholds grain, 
the people will curse. So the more you do good to people, the more those people become your evangelists in the affairs of men. And whether they tell people about you or not, they have told nature about you, my God. They have told the elements about you. They have spoken into the wind. The winds have carried their words into the space. Is somebody getting this right now? So a couple of things I want to understand about the seeds. Let me try to wind up today's teaching. Number one thing you must know about the seed is that every seed carries life. Every seed carries life. The life of a tree is hidden in the seed. God doesn't give you furniture, he gives you trees. But God doesn't even give you trees, he gives you seeds. Because in the seed is hidden the tree, in the trees, in the furniture. God engages even the earth with a seed. When God was going to have many children on earth, he didn't send them from heaven. The last time the sons, the angels, right, sons of God had affairs with the sons of men, they produced Nephilim, Anakims, right? The first time they came from heaven. So God said, no, 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 no. I mean, he had predestined, determined Christ coming as a seed anyway. The enemy was trying to do his own profession and get the sons of God to produce alien children on earth. But God doesn't go through that model. He comes as a seed because a seed is the smartest way, the smartest way, the God kind of way to sneak in a different level of life. So anytime you're looking for a higher dimension of your life, so a seed that is reflective of that life. Oh my goodness. Many, many years ago, I was watching a man of God on television. And this man of God was speaking, he was speaking about the power of the seed. And he made a call and said, I want you to sow a seed of a thousand dollars. And I did sow a seed of a thousand dollars, believing that it was a man of God. And believing, and I still believe it's a man of God, sent from God, not perfect, but a man of God. And I sowed that seed. And from that time, I began to reap harvests on that level. Now, it may seem pedestrian to some people, but Paul says it. He says, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. If you sow naira, you are likely to reap naira. If you sow dollars, you are likely to reap dollars. Every seed carries life. The seed of a dog produces a dog. The seed of a gorilla produces a gorilla. The seed of a man does not produce a, a dog. The life of a dog is a lower level of life. So the seed of a man's life is a higher level of life. The seed of, oh my God, the seed of a man cannot produce a lizard because the higher the form of life, the higher what it's going to produce. So every seed carries life. Jesus Christ, the seed of God, carried the life of God. A seed of honor carries a life of honor. A seed of joy carries a life of joy. A seed, that's why when you're going through stuff, and you want to stop going through that stuff, look for somebody who's going through that stuff and help them with that stuff. So you're feeling sad, feeling sad. Instead of shrinking and reclining by yourself, look for somebody and make them happy. And you'll be surprised at how much joy will, will be unlocked in your life. Every seed carries life. God does not put life out in space just like that. He puts life in seed. And the faithfulness of the farmer who handles the seed will determine how much more of that life is expressed. Number two, every seed is a picture of possibility. So seeds are pictures of possibility. Christ is our picture of possibility. Christ, the Bible says that Isaac sowed in that land 
and it began to prosper because your prosperity is connected to your sowing, your sowing is connected to your seed. Jesus Christ is not except the grain of it falls to the ground and dies in the body of the Lord, but if it dies, it's going to produce so much more. Somebody shall not have the passport to prosperity. Every seed is a, picture of, is a picture of possibility. Number three, every seed is smaller than the harvest it produces. Every seed is smaller than the harvest produces. One of the reasons many people have not seen the supernatural in their lives is because the little seed of obedience required to unlock the first miracle of headache being healed, they have not sowed. The little seed required in visiting the hospital or the orphanage and praying for people, they have not done it. And so, they cannot reap the harvest of mighty miracles happening. One major reason many people have not expressed supernatural in their finances is simply because they have not sowed the seed. Whenever you sow something, that thing becomes the seed instead of the harvest. In other words, what will come out of it will always be more than what has gone through it. Number four, please understand this. God never leaves you without a seed. Never. God never leaves without a seed. Last week we spoke about that. About that man, Jesus Christ put mud on his face from spittle and dust and he said to that man, go wash. There is a seed of movement in you. Sow it on this journey. There's a seed of intelligence in you. No, Jesus was telling, telling this man, I believe you are intelligent enough to find your way to the pool even though your eyes are closed. You have a seed of intelligence. You have a seed of discernment. You have a seed of movement. Your legs are still walking. That's a seed. No matter how poor you think you are right now, how jobless you think you are right now, right now, how disadvantaged you think you are right now, there is a seed. God never leaves you without a seed. The prophet says to the with the woman, "What do you have in your house?" The widow woman said, "I have nothing but a jar of oil." The prophet said, "That's a seed." Peter, you've told all night you cut nothing. At least you still have a net. Cast that net to the right side. That's a seed. Wedding feast of Cana, they wanted wine, there was no wine. Jesus said, you have muscles, you have hands, and you have water. Go fetch the water. The water is the seed for the wine. The oil is the seed for the oil business and enterprise. Peter, casting the net is the seed for the fish. Come on, people. God never leaves you without a seed. Somebody shall have a seed. It could be my thread work, it could be my singing, it could be my painting, it could be my time, it could be my service, it could be my gifts. But God never leaves me without a seed and he wants me to be a co-laborer, a partner, a partaker in the process. 1 Corinthians 3.6, Paul think, speaking about the church that he had raised by the power of God. He said, I Paul, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase because the supply chain of heaven involves the participation of men. The supply chain of heaven on earth always involves the participation of men. Let me tell you even this, Jesus Christ was not even birthed into the earth without God partnering with the womb of a woman. So why are you thinking that all you need is the seed from God? The word of God is the only seed. No! Mary also had to incubate that seed in the soil of a woman. My goodness. Number five. The fact that you have a seed doesn't guarantee anything. Your seed doesn't guarantee anything. The seed of greatness, seed of insight, seed of revelation, seed of prosperity, seed of whatever. It does not guarantee anything. It is what you do with the seed that makes all the difference. The seed does not guarantee anything. 
You know all those seeds? You have those seeds, you plant them. Have you ever had yam in your store? You had yam in your store. You kept the yam in the store. Did it guarantee that you were full? <laughs> no. On the contrary, if you leave the yam in the store under certain conditions, certain levels of humidity, you know what's going to happen to the yam? A stalk, has it ever happened to you? It's quite disgusting. A stalk will start growing out of the yam. And the, the store, the pantry, the storehouse is going to become like a farm. And there are many people whose seeds are in the store of their souls, the store of their lives. And you are bringing out foliage that is not feeding you and is not helping anybody. But you're so full of potential, so full of seeds, so full of gifts, so full of possibilities. And you're waiting for the perfect time. And you're confessing the scriptures, but you don't know how to engage that seed in the industries, the sectors, the affairs of men. So you have a lot of pending spiritual blessings, but there is no earthly crucible to contain the rain that God is sending from heaven. So the fact that you have the seed does not guarantee supply, does not guarantee prosperity. It is what you do with the seed that counts. Number six, this is important. I'm going to close real soon. No amount of rain will bring you a harvest if you don't sow the seed. Hey! No amount of rain, no amount of irrigation, no amount of downpour will bring you a harvest if you don't sow the seed. So there are people who talk about the rain, we pray for the rain, we say the harvest, we say this. But do you notice that even the, even the rain of the Holy Spirit was not released upon mankind until the seed of Jesus had been planted in the earth. So even God, did not bring rain upon the church until the seed of Christ was in the earth and that brought forth by the spirit of God because there's immunity in the natural earth that causes the soil. Don't forget, there's humidity in the natural earth that causes the fiscal seed to germinate. But then rain now comes from on high to irrigate that so that the seed that's germinating can multiply. Similarly, by the power of the Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ was resurrected. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal body. So Christ was resurrected by the spirit of God. But don't forget that there was now the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, the outpouring of the Spirit. That is a picture. That is the substance really. And that also is instructive in the way that God deals with us. So no amount of rain will bring you a harvest if you don't sow your seed. The seed of God was not Moses. The seed of God was not Noah. The seed of God was not Abraham. The seed of God was not Job. The seed of God was not Isaiah, Zechariah, Azariah. The seed of God was Jesus Christ. And God planted that seed, John 12, 24, in the earth. And now what does he have? Many, many more of the Christ order, of the order of Christ. When you sow the seed, what you have is multiples of the order of that seed. When the rain of God's fever engages the soil and the seed, and there's a massive harvest. Somebody shall have the passport and I will use it. I will use it. Number six, no amount of rain will bring you harvest if you don't sow the seed. Number seven, you have to sow your seed to grow your seed. You have to sow your seed to grow your seed. Multiplication does not happen by need. It happens by the seed. Multiplication does not happen by gathering. It happens by scattering. When I hold something in my hand, it becomes the most I will ever have. But when I release what's in my hand, it becomes the least I can ever have. So you have to sow your seed to grow your seed. That's it. You have to. You can't just hang around and say, well, you are going to discover me. Now, there's something I learned a while ago. The Bible says to buy their fruits 
you shall know them. Right? And many times when we read that, we read only on one plane. And the plane is by the fruit of your character, the things that you do and all of that. But that's also a picture. It's very instructive for us because by their fruits you shall know them. So you don't know them by their seeds. You don't know them by their seeds. Because their seeds are more often than not internal. What makes them visible is the fruit. Now, when the tree brings forth fruit, what happens? The seed has been converted and is producing fruit now. People come, they pluck the fruit. The farmer comes, plucks the fruit. Then the fruit, right, is taken to the market. Then from the market or to the depot. From the depot, is exported to the market. From the market, it could be taken almost anywhere in the world, right? So the same way study is the food basket of Nigeria. But we get a lot of tomatoes, a lot of good, a lot of cassava, yam, and other things from Bedouin in different parts of the north or Middle Belt to the north. Um, cows and things, right? But let's use the, the, the plants. Now, if you have a tuber of yam in Lagos that is from Benue State in Nigeria, I am getting to interface with the yam in Lagos, even though it was produced in the Middle Belt. I have come to know the yam farm by the fruit it's produced. Let me use another example. So there's this whole bag your rice in Nigeria or do locally produced rice in Nigeria. And so many of them are also from the Middle Belt in the North and they will put on their, their packaging uh, bagged by XYZ rice farm in Kanu or Kaduna or Benue or something. How am I getting to know that company, that organization by their fruits, by what they have produced. So yes, by their fruits, you know them in terms of character. We know that this person is born again because bringing forth the fruit of the spirit. What it also means is the way you will be known, the way you will be identified, the way people recognize you. Your popularity is connected to your productivity. Let me put in that word. Because when Jesus began to manifest the fruit of miracles, testimonies, the things that was produced, that were signs of the Messiah that he showed me. That's why he said, if you don't believe me by my words, then believe me by my signs, by the things I'm producing. Because the Messiah you're expecting will have supernatural powers. I am walking in supernatural powers. Then you ought to know that I'm for real. That's what it was saying. But also by those miracles, people got to know him. So it's by you planting the seed, the seed thriving and growing, that you become known. In the things that God has called you to do. Somebody give God praise. Number eight. And I'm going to close with this. Seeds produce after their kind. I will continue along those lines next week. Seeds produce after their kind. Somebody say that. Seeds produce after their kind. Somebody say that. Seeds produce after their kind. So what happens if I sow nothing? No, well, I don't just sow nothing. Hear this please. One of the greatest ways of guaranteeing a bleak future is to withhold the seed you have right now. Because your seed is your passport to the future. Your seed is a passport to prosperity. So one of the ways to already categorize yourself in the school of smallness. One of the ways to become a serious student in the school of smallness is to be slow in giving or sowing and to be small in sowing. That you just guarantee it. Why? Do you know why? Because even sowing nothing is something. Sowing nothing is sowing. What are you sowing? Nothing. Let me hear that. What are you sowing when you sow nothing? You are sowing nothing. How? Let me, I'll show you in the Bible. So you don't think I'm just using fancy words. Hosea chapter 8. 
Verse 7, Hosea. I'm sure most people have not read from this before. H-O-S-E-A, Hosea chapter 8, verse 7. They saw the wind. Wind. Wind has no quality. You can measure the wind. You can the, the weight of the wind. You can can you hold the wind? He said they saw the wind. What do they do? They reap the whole wind. The stalk has no bud. It shall never produce meal. If it should produce, aliens will swallow it up. He's saying, of course, this is a, a judgment proclaimed, right? Because people had gone into a, a war and into wrongdoing. But the prophet is saying here that when they saw the wind, even though it looks like, oh, it's nothing, I'm not saying anything, no. He's saying that when you saw nothing, you're saying something. So when you saw nothing, what do you reap? More nothing. You got that? When you saw nothing, what do you reap? More nothing. And isn't there someone who's just tired of reaping more nothing? That you're reaping more of nothing because you're not sowing the right seed. Galatians 6 teaches us this. He says this. He said, if you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you will reap life. If you sow in the spirit, you're also going to reap in the spirit. If you sow in the earth realm materially, you will also reap material things. So it's not about how many Bible verses you know about sowing. Are you sowing? It's not about how many verses you know about diligence. Are you diligent? It's not about how many verses you know about memorizing Bible verses. Are you memorizing Bible verses? Let me show you something. In our text, in our text, in Genesis chapter 26, Genesis chapter 26, the word of God had come to Isaac, the patriarch, and the word was, don't leave this place. I'm going to bless you in the same land. But he engages that blessedness, that blessing by sowing. And what happens to him in verse 12, Genesis 26 verse 12, it says, And Isaac sowed in the land, and when did he reap? A hundredfold. What was happening in that land? Famine was everywhere. What was happening in that land? Hardship. What was happening in that land? Dryness, job losses, salary costs, this and the other. What was Isaac's experience? Isaac's experience was prosperity. It was not just the seed you sowed that made the difference. Why? Because I can almost guarantee you, there are people in that same place who were sowing seeds in that land, but that land could not produce for them. Why? Because they had the seed, but not the blessing. And there are possibly many certain people who had the blessing, but not the seed. And so they still couldn't prosper. But the Isaac model is, I know I have the blessing. And I have the seed. Which means when I plant the seed in that business, when I plant the, the seed in kings today in the offering or the given, when I plant that seed in my pastor's life to honor him, or my parents' life to celebrate them, or in the gatesman's life to help him and his family, or the megas level, or I give the okada more than his money's worth, his fair's worth, I am not afraid that I will lose anything. Why? Because what backs up my own sowing is the blessing of God. What backs up my sowing is not the economy. What backs up my sowing is not whether the people appreciate it or not. What backs up my sowing is the blessing of God. This is what makes the difference between us and unbelievers. So people will say, well, but Bill Gates doesn't sow, but he reaps. Who told you Bill Gates doesn't sow? Well, even if he sows the way we think he should sow, do you know what he doesn't have? He's not backed up by the blessing. At least we don't know that he's backed up by the blessing. What's the blessing? Justification. Without condemnation. Without guilt. Is the guarantee that even when there's no money in your pockets, because you are justified by God, you are satisfied in him. 
your satisfaction in God is not you in a different circumstance. It is Christ in you regardless of your circumstance. Come on. And that blessing also says that God is my father. And as long as God is my father, I'm not going to beg because that will make him look irresponsible. And he's a responsible father. So the difference between the believer and the unbeliever is not that the, belie- the, you know, the unbeliever sows and then he gets much more than the believer. It means that no matter how much more he gets, it's nothing compared to the believer. Because John 15 says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. So anyone who's not engrafted into Christ, even if they engage the law of sowing and reaping in the earth, they don't have the blessing of justification. However, what's also true, any believer who is justified but does not sow in the earth has all the blessing in Christ but no prosperity in the earth. I hope somebody got this today. <laughs> yeah, I know that it was quite a lot of different things. Some that you had heard before, some that you had not heard the way I shared it before. But I want us to focus on this. It says that Isaac sowed in that land, ripped a hundredfold, the Lord blessed him. I wish I could talk about this. I'll talk about it next week perhaps. Because after he sowed, the Lord blessed him. So there's a, manif- there's a dimension of the blessing that does not manifest in reality in the earth space until you prosper with the initial blessing you already got. Because your prosperity is a sign that you value the, the blessing enough to express it in different areas. And when you express the blessing in different areas, more of the blessing gets expressed because of your faithfulness with the blessing. And it ripped a hundredfold in that same land. Then it began to prosper, continued prospering until he became very prosperous. This is God's word to you today. I believe you received this. I believe you've gotten this. I believe that you're inspired by this. I believe you've been stretched, challenged. What are you going to do with the word today? I want to challenge to make certain commitments on top of this revelation today. Number one, I want to make a commitment that you will never, never join a gathering of believers, whether at kings, your parents' church, your friends' church, wedding, where there's a call for giving and you will turn the other side. Make that decision. I'm never going to be in that space where there's a gathering in the name of Christ and there's a call for giving and I look away. Whether it's casual offering or special project or whatever, as long as I'm not being manipulated, as long as I'm not, it's not a faulty system that is corrupt and I'm funding somebody's lavish lifestyle, I will give. I'll make that commitment. I also want to make that commitment that at least once a month I will honor somebody in my life. Whether it's my wife, whether it's my husband, whether it's my pastor, whether it's my parents, at least once a month, I will honor somebody, a, a seat of honor. And number three, make that commitment that at least once a month, I will give to somebody out of benevolence. You know, somebody who needs it. So this is not an honor seat. This is a support seat. This is a support seat. This is, you know, I'm helping the person out. The honor seat is different. The honor seat is not just I'm helping the person out. It could be that you're helping the person out. But it's a voluntary seed of appreciation, a voluntary seed. I'm not telling what I don't. I'm not telling what I don't do. I'm asking you to do it uh, once a month. I'm in a place where, by the grace of God, I do it multiple times a week now, multiple times on, on all three levels and more. So I'm not asking you to do what I don't do. There's no there's no week that goes on without me planting an honor seed. No week that goes on without me giving to God. And no week that goes on without me helping or supporting somebody. It may not start out as big. It may not start out as grand. But start sowing. It is your passport's prosperity. You can have the passport and still be stuck at the airport. Why? Because you didn't show up at immigration. You didn't show up to show the passport. 
And many of us have this principle of sowing and reaping, but we've never understood that there's the primary seed of the word and the secondary seed of your material resources in the earth and your gifts and your talents that must engage the systems of men for it to produce more after its kind. Come on, somebody. Do you have that? Much, most, most importantly, don't forget that the primary seed is the word of God and that even these things we're saying must be instructed, funded, supported. I have conviction in the word of God. Glory to God. Generation is rising on an emerging generation of kings. To join this growing community of kings, visit www.kingdomcentral.org and send your full name and email address to 0908-123-4566. One more thing, someone you know needs this. Kindly share this how.